0: Romans 15, 1 through 7. We, are, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and do not please ourselves. Let us, each of us, please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it, as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in the former Sorry, Whoever, for whatever was written in the former days was written in our instruction, that through the endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify with the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The word of the Lord.
1: Great job, Stone. Uh, I'm feeling the same way, man. (laughs) Oh, man, sermon weeks are hilarious. (laughs) It's like uh, your job, your family. Your other church stuff, and then friends. They're like, "Hey, I'm I'm I came in downtown and tell you guys, can we come over on Thursday?" (laughs) You're like, "Jesus, have mercy." Uh, Um, well, good morning. My name is Morgan. Uh, I'm one of the pastors here at at the Painted Door. If you're new with us, welcome. Actually, if you're old with us, welcome. Uh, And you're middle child with us, welcome. Um. (laughs) Whew. Uh, early August, that's, that is where we are at. Uh, early August always gives me a sense of panic and loss, knowing that summer is leaving. Um, I know this, I mean, probably with most of us, it started going back to school. Oh, how much I hated that. Um, I remember my riding my bike every August, up and down the block, and that feeling like you just got punched in the gut, uh, knowing that freedom was almost over, even, even though the end of summer really is like my favorite time of summer, uh, I love the August sun in the backyard and just like holds everything in gold in some unique, strange way. Um, but the approaching loss of summer still stings. Jeez. And we all know this panic. That leads to a question like, how do I keep this here? Right now is perfect. Life is beautiful. But I know... But I know this peace is coming to an end. So I've now decided... I have to fight for it. But... But to fight for peace... Is the end of peace. True peace, God's peace, must come from surrender. A surrender that comes from trust. A surrender that comes from love received. So, the sermon series we are currently in is titled, titled Dividing Walls which just means divided people or issues that divide. Which is it? Is it issues that divide or divided people with issues? <laughs> uh, we, we are always the latter. Um, because, of course, the main division, in many ways, the only division between people, is our rebellion against God. Christ says, for out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. Dividing walls are built. They're built by people. They're built by us. By people against God, against each other, and against their own selves. This is fundamental. In this fundamental and basic rebellion, there's none righteous. There is not one who understands no one seeks God. No, not one. Another idea being explored in this sermon series, but probably more in the background, um, is the us versus them narrative, or whether or not it can be valid or helpful. And that's complicated. Often, the us versus them narrative is a narrative that has it happens on multiple levels at once, with evidence just being pulled for, from wherever, we can find it. So we can make a very easy distinction about the good people being over there and the bad people being over here. And some us-versus-them narratives are completely valid, perfectly valid, like our rebellion against God that I just mentioned. And that rebellion, in that rebellion, none of us are innocent. In that statement there, there is an us-versus-them narrative. Sinful humanity versus God. That is a valid narrative, both for yourself and for the whole human race. The realities of sin, Satan, and death are just as relevant now as they were 2,000 years ago. In, in this similar place, Christians often put a us-versus-them narrative that is not valid, a false narrative that can acknowledge our own sin and lack of... It, uh, in, sorry. A false narrative that can acknowledge our own sin theologically and, like, theoretically, but takes on none of the burden of all these sinners just like you. It's a false narrative that distorts our own repentance because there's a game to win in politics, Or elsewhere, having no humility over their own brokenness, therefore engaging with sinners without pity, without mercy, by not seeing the sin that clings so closely within us, we forget that we do not fight with flesh and blood. This false narrative is the same us versus them that engulfs the entire world, and it is poison in our veins. Hate will always turn to violence. And the church is often a willing participant in the fight for the kingdoms of this world. And in that game, everything is on the line. So, if you're in the game, how far are you willing to take it? But with that, what are we talking about today? Today we will be looking at the church divides in our very own community So usually when we hear church divides, that's a fairly negative and sad thing to say, Um, but I'll be using it in a much more positive sense. So what do I mean by divides? Most simply, I just mean the differences between us, but I mean two things more specifically. First, as Christian individuals gathered together in a local church, we are called and united to the same Christ Christ. Yet, with each of us appointed to a certain measure of faith. In this measure of faith appointed to us, we are unique and we are at different places in our conformity to Christ. The second meaning I'm getting at from the word divides is the categories that are just us as humans. Categories that might change. Some are chosen. Some are not. But in the present moment, they are not a choice because they are who we are or who I am in this moment. They define who we are and they define how we receive the places that we go. Things like our gender, our station in life, our experiences, our interests, our pain, our worldviews, our class, our people. And these are often good things given by God. These are things that make us unique They make us beautiful, beautiful in the eyes of God, beautiful in the eyes of each other. From uh, John's revelation, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne. But these categories can also divide, and they can be used to bring harm. So two differences. The faith appointed to us and our human uniqueness. But I will go about arriving at our church divides by first looking at the self, meaning the Christian self, the Christian self and the Christian self in process. We will look at the question, what is this Christian made of? And when I say process, I mean the experiential realities of relationship with Christ. How do you experience this developing relationship between you and Jesus Christ? What does it feel like? Then we will look at the church with all our unique selves and all our unique processes in community. It seems right to look at self and process individually before communally if only for the simple hope that it will all seem so overwhelming so that empathy for each other and desperation for Christ will be our only option. So what is a Christian made of? Well first, we should remember our start in rebellious mankind. Our rebellion against God is an inescapable part of the narrative, part of our story. We are born of a human race that is metaphysically biting the hand that feeds, in hostility with the author of life. As humans, in this humanity, we are body and soul, a mixture of material and immaterial that is really only entirely known by God himself. And we have individual uniqueness, and frames from God, but mixed with our fallen human nature, damage from our own indwelling sin, damage from the sin of others. Paul says, Dead. As for you, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you used to walk when you conformed to the ways of this world. So, all of this begins to unravel when a sinner meets Christ. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our trespasses. To be made alive is to be given the gift of faith. The gift of faith is the light of God's eternal love shining down upon your soul. A soul with faith is a soul indwelt with the Spirit of God. It is a soul no longer dead. We are called back to life by our Lord Jesus Christ, a God who gives life to the dead and calls into existence things that do not exist. Christian, this is your beginning. No matter what time you started this journey back to God, whether in the womb, as an infant, As a child, a youth, adult, elderly, on your deathbed, no matter where you are, no matter who you are, God's unconditional love, electing love from His full heart, is saying yes to being with you and knowing you forever. It it, it is eternal love and power breaking into time and finding home within your soul. You are one. You are one who is with God, one with Christ, filled with his Holy Spirit. And the pure love and pure forgiveness that met you at the beginning, that is the same energy that is within you now. So, back to the question, what is a Christian made of? We are body and soul as human persons, a mixture of material and immaterial, and we are called flesh and spirit in the scriptures as Christian persons. Even this seems a mixture of material and immaterial. As we live united with God, we live in a profound inner conflict of self. This is not some easy us versus them game either, but our bodies, our souls, our minds, experiencing both grace and sin together, experiencing the old order and the new order. Part of you is stuck in the old way. Part of you is being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. And so we are being formed in Christ. And part of being in a story is that you can never get around the story being told. So it seems... Two of the greatest trials in the Christian life are being convinced of your sin and being convinced of your faith. And recognizing sin is on the easier side, but it's also not easy. It's yes and no. Sometimes easy, sometimes too easy if you are prone to shame. Well, we all first really experience sin as conflict with others, So that sin is simply, they are against me. It is everyone else's fault. This is every child, and it's it's us so often. We all still believe this at some dark corner inside our hearts. But this lie is actually exposed pretty early on in your walk with Christ. Yes, they are against me, but you meet Christ, and you have this moment where you realize that you've also been against everyone else. My hands are not clean. I have sinned. That initial gift of humility, generally, it seems to settle in our souls and never really goes away. From this point on, though, being convinced of sin might get a lot more difficult. It might be really difficult for you to stop disobeying God to stop hurting yourself, to stop hurting others. But even in that, you can see your sin just fine. Seeing our sin gets much more difficult when it becomes more self-righteous, more sneaky. The Pharisee hiding in you. The tyrant hiding in you. The false Messiah hiding within you. There is deep-rooted selfishness within all of us that Christ is patiently treating and will be treating till the end of our days. So recognizing our faith. Recognizing our faith is no easy thing. This is much more difficult than recognizing our sin. And the confusion and fight we experience in becoming what has been given happens because faith begins and grows much in the same way that the rest of our humanity does. We are born very much alive, yet unaware of our surroundings. We can be malnourished. We can be disabled. We can get sick. We can be injured. In all of this, alive, very much alive. And we can also mature and grow and be healed and rejoice. Christian maturity or spiritual formation is really just the strengthening of the faculties, it's really just awareness. Awareness that is here or there sometimes. Sometimes fully aware of your surroundings, sometimes not so aware. The great danger in spiritual formation, or thinking about process, is thinking that awareness turns the lights on. To be made alive is to be given the gift of faith. And the gift of faith... Is the light of God's eternal love shining upon your soul? You have nothing, nothing to do with turning the lights on. Ever. I spent years trying to turn the light on or keep the light on. I fought night and day against the darkness within me because I was scared. From experience, I knew that if I gave it a foot, it would take a mile. (laughs) So to stop spiritual exercise would mean more sinning, and my brain could not handle it. I didn't and really couldn't believe that Christ could save me from my sin. My lust, my anger, my pride, my self-hatred, I would quickly destroy myself if I stopped fighting my sin. It's like I had my own soul in my own hand. And looking down from above, I saw the war between good and evil and thought the best thing I could do was support the good side. But we are never, ever above the story. And the light is here. So just just hand over just hand over that tangled mess to Jesus Christ I have no problem speaking back and forth about faith and repentance, grace and sin. But at the end of the day, our Christianity has to become the presence of Christ, with whom we grow in trust and love. Through the experience of his love and faithfulness. That is all. So now let's look at our church and multiply the mess. This Christian self that we are, this process we are in with Christ and in community. Romans fifteen one through seven. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak, and not to please ourselves. But let each of us please his neighbor for his good, to build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures we might have hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together, you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. So, back to the two differences. The type of church divides we're looking at. The uniqueness of the faith appointed to us and our own human categories and uniqueness. First, the faith appointed to each of us. So like the individual experience of sin and and grace, this just gets multiplied in community. And as I look out and think through our church or the church and see what a complicated tapestry of humanity that God is weaving, all of you called and united to the same Christ, yet with each of us appointed to a certain measure of faith, and not just a certain measure of faith, but a certain measure of faith given to a certain process of relationship with Christ Jesus. All of us are reborn, very much alive, with varying degrees of awareness, some sick, some injured, and all of this alive together, maturing together, growing up in Christ together. My overwhelming feeling is that, just have mercy on each other. Just have mercy. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. For Christ did not please himself. In the same way that Christ is always condescending to us, always bearing with our weakness, always going out to find sinners in their dark place, we are invited to receive each other in lowliness and self forgetfulness, not as perfect representatives of anything really, certainly not all gospel truth or grace that is Christ, but as perfect fragments connected to the whole Christ. So have mercy. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we we might have hope. So that we might have hope. So that we might have hope. Find solidarity with the family. Through your faith and repentance, stand together with the whole family of God. Hearts united together in the heart of christ the people of god sinners saved by grace have been in this faith since the beginning you are not alone and none of this is new it's actually we're not it kind of feels like diminishing but we're none of us are unique unfortunately but we are it's strange faith is designed To look and feel like Christ, sustained on his completeness before us, with us, and ahead of us. And in this, really, every story is the same. Now let's go where we are not the same. Our church divide, as in our human categories our human uniqueness that define who we are and how we receive the places we go. Things like our gender, our experiences, our interests, our race, our pain, our worldviews, our class, our people. Again, good things given by God. Things that make us unique and beautiful. And in these things, There's nothing wrong with admitting that you need solidarity in the differences. And the connections made with other Christians in shared experience can be enormous lifelines in our walk with Christ. It is grace via solidarity. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with this. In fact, that is one of the ways that God has designed this very community. It is how he actively serves us By connecting us to others, loving us in those simple, quiet ways that make us human, like needing a friend. What is it about shared experiences? Seeing the same wounds on someone and seeing the same Christ in their heart? (laughs) Forget about it. That is priceless. It is like there's this mysterious shortcut that happens. Just by knowing that person, the light of Christ has gotten brighter in the room may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may, with one voice, glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. Again, have mercy. So, how do we use our our divides or categories for harm. Well, let me back up a bit. I was going back and forth about how detailed I should get into our different categories. Um, I'm just going to keep it fairly fairly high level. Um, I'm going to stay out of the weeds a little bit. Um, But I'm going to go through some observations. Observations that I have journaled or recorded... in really this last year of basically (laughs) learning how to be a pastor. Uh, So, I—oh, yeah, so let's go back to this now. So how do we use our divides or categories for harm? I have one main main way that I want to bring up. And with that said, I have really no interest in trying to cover all the bases here. Just like I said, speaking from my own experience— and speaking to where we are right now and that main that main way is simply being oblivious of each other so in these categories that i've brought up i brought up we can embrace them we can embrace the categories so that we are seen and heard and we are not oblivious Understand your own categories, simply for the sake of love. Seek to know how it affects others and know yourself. Do not box each other in. Our time together is a time to be with Christ. Be servants of each other. Watch for Christ. Do not be ashamed of yourself. Do not compare yourself to others. Forgive yourself. Do not be afraid of the pain of others. Serve it. Learn from it. Bear each other's burdens. Intercede for each other in prayer. Do not compare your pain with the pain of others. Be Christ to each other and stay close to the weak. Do not compete with others. We are called to receive each other as Christ himself. Do not compete with their pain. Do not compete with their love. Do not perform. Be free in the power of his transforming love. Be free in your service. We all have common ground. So go to each other. Adore each other. Throw all those categories aside and follow that first impulse to offer love and care. The God in you is in service to the God in them. Don't take offense if you don't have what they are looking for. There is grace for you, even in the person who rejects you. So consider the other better than yourself. To those of you feeling taxed and burdened by other Christians... Cling to the Christ that you have seen in them. Look for him and expect him in them. Regard no one according to the flesh. In both our sameness and our differences, we were made for each other, and God has hidden grace within us for each other. In sameness with each other, Christ shines from within In difference with each other, Christ shines from within. Our sameness, or lack of, will be overshadowed by Christ. The Christ who loves with perfect love, unlike the rest of us. Another reason why I didn't really go into more detail with the categories is that what we need is our own heart's and our own love and our own faith to be formed. So, there's really nothing better that we can do for this community as an individual than to know and love our Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you just have to admit that you love him. Self-doubt can hold you in feeling feeling so sick and so dumb. When there is this little flame inside you that beats with the heart of Jesus Christ. This is what the scriptures mean when they say saved by faith. This little flame is Christ's very own Holy Spirit. The flame has a life of its own, the very life of God. At the same time, being a life entirely for you, faith is being, being God's child alive in Christ. Some of you just need to admit that you believe, admit that there is a holy presence in your life that is out of your control. A holy presence that does what he pleases and is a little scary. And trust comes from experience. And trust is not complete stillness within, meaning no inner torment, no temptation, no darkness, no longing, no unfulfilled desires. Trust is trust in the mess, not trust without a mess, your faith, your sin, your suffering, side by side. In this, we are united to a Savior and each other, the promised, the given, the constant, the ongoing, saving relationship with Jesus Christ. So, your life is not your project, and your faith is not your project. You are his project, and he is most loving and most faithful. But a little scary. What do I dislike most about God? What do you dislike most about God? Well, I don't like how unsafe he makes me feel. He makes me feel awkward and embarrassed all the time. I mean, who knows where he will take you? who knows where he can send you sometimes he takes too long he drags his feet when I want him to hurry sometimes when I'm begging for no change to come or when I'm asking him to end it all he pushes me out out the door again off to work because true peace God's peace must come from surrender a surrender that comes from trust, a surrender that comes from love received. And we are all learning this in process. We are in process, and you cannot skip the process. Some of you will have to exhaust all options to believe the Father loves you, to believe the Son has you, to believe the Spirit dwells within you, to believe that you are real, to be comfortable in your own skin because Christ Christ likes you for you. But some of us are dead inside. But God has a plan. Some of us are just getting out of the grave and we smell of death. Some of us have stumbled out of the grave, but our eyes cannot open. In the light. Some of us are crawling, some walking, some of us are sitting in the gutter. Some of us have bought a house down the street and are planting a garden while we wait this all out. Personally, I'm back and forth between the gutter and the garden. And we all have a very long way to go. And you're all tangled up. So, just hand over that tangled mess to Jesus Christ. Christ is doing the convincing. Christ is doing the pursuing. All of your faith, your hope, love, happens because he first loved us. Not just then, but right now, and tomorrow. So, so wherever you are, wherever you are, Be present with his presence. If you are suffering, Christian. Don't let any of your sufferings go for cheap. Everything you do, everything you feel, give it to Christ. Christ asks for it, asks for it, meaning He cares. So be present with his presence. If you are a joyful Christian, don't let any of your joy go for cheap. Everything you do, everything you feel, receive it from Christ. The whole of the natural world, all the gifts and pleasures in this life, were designed to be received with Christ and from Christ. So, family, late summer is here, and change is coming Surrender to the seasons. So again, hand over that tangled mess to Jesus Christ. All of this is a gift, and all of it is his grace. Children of God, the heart of Christ is yours. His gaze is yours, and he will not look away. You have nothing too ugly, nothing to hide. He loves you exactly as you are and is coming to exactly where you are to pick you up and begin bringing you from glory to glory. Peace has been spoken over us. And the place God is saying this to us, (laughs) as usual, Christ and him crucified are beginning at the cross The divine recorded the mysteries of God's love and mercy for sinners onto the flesh of Christ. Pure, unconditional love for sinful humanity. From the cross, this love pours down upon us and fills up our existence so that everything is grace. In this grace, the life of faith is a perplexing mix of death. Of Jesus and the life of Jesus as the energy and quality of our faith. But he is the source and summit of all, a life of both sorrow and comfort, suffering and healing, mingled together, dwelling in the grace that is Jesus Christ, his past, his present, his future, for you. One heart, both human and divine, a heartbeat on our behalf, so, again, there is nothing better than you. There is nothing better than you can, that you can do for this church than to know and love our Lord Jesus. Let us pray, oh, Heavenly Father, send us Christ through Your Holy Spirit. Lift our eyes to You, Jesus. Some of us are stuck looking inward. Some of us are stuck looking outward. Help us to see the same thing, your presence, pursuing us, loving us, teaching us, caring for us. Have mercy on us and remember us. In your precious, precious, precious name, amen.